0: you ready for the word this morning, this side? Okay, just checking, just checking, just checking. Father, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you that you are doing something and shaping something within our spirits and in our minds and in our hearts. I, Father, ask you that by the power of your spirit, that you take these words here that I share this morning, the things that you have put on my heart, and that you would start to unfold those in the hearts of your people, that they would hear you speaking and you constructing words and images in their hearts and their minds as they sit under the word this morning. I pray for a breakthrough in seeing people saved in this community, Lord. I pray for a breakthrough in seeing souls being saved and family members coming to Christ and friends coming to Christ and work colleagues and, and school chums coming to, to Christ, Lord. And I pray, Father, that we'd see a, an absolute Amazing revival, uh, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in a way that sees people born again in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. So this is part four in the the series that I've been doing and uh, called A Passion for Souls. Um, uh, It it really comes out of, I guess, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 where it says that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, You'll be given my power, and you're to go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's, it's really come out of that, that this, this, almost this commission that uh, Jesus has given to us to be witnesses. I, I think that uh, one of the great ways that we can actually be a witness is by our thankfulness, the gratitude that we have for what Christ has done within our lives that we want to replicate that and to help people experience the same things that we've experienced through Christ. I have no difficulty in sharing some of the wonderful and powerful things that have happened in my life. And most of us, I think, would be the same. We find it easy to speak about the blessings, the gifts, the events in our lives that have touched our hearts or have touched our loved ones, the family members that are closest to us. And Mark 16, verse 15, out of the Passion Translation says, As you go into the world... So, he's he's not simply saying um, that uh, you've got to work yourself up. He's just, as you're going about your everyday life, just in the course of your day, just as as you're you're just walking out the front door, uh, maybe even as you're in your home, just as you're doing stuff that's like everyday stuff, as you're going out into the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. I get this sense, really, that Jesus is is really telling us to be intentional about sharing the greatest things that has ever happened to us, and his name is Jesus. I don't know about you, but there is nothing greater in my life that I've ever experienced than experiencing the person of Jesus through salvation. It's one of the most amazing things that has ever happened to me. And Jesus is simply saying to us that as you have experienced my touch in your life, just as you're going out into the world, just be open with it. Be intentional about sharing that as well. So this morning I want us to find out about and look at the next step in, it, in this pursuit of a passion for souls. And this next step is really looking at witnessing as a way of life. That's the title of my message this morning, is Witnessing as a Way of Life. We started this year talking about salvation, in particular the cup of salvation out of the four cups, where God wants to bring us out of Egypt and wants to take us into the promised land. And we're going to end this year by continuing to talk about the cup of salvation, about salvation in general and having a passion for souls. We as a church, infused church, actually exists to create encounters with God for everyone that we meet as we're led by the Holy Spirit. I actually believe that we are a walking encounter with God. We can be a walking encounter with God. I believe that with all my heart. You don't have to work this up. It's just naturally who you are. Your supernaturalness is going to come out of your naturalness. You don't have to put on this funny suit. You don't have to put on this funny hat and walk around and say, I've now got my Jesus suit on and... I'm going out there, and this is, you know, this is how I'm going to do this. Now, it's just supernaturally natural, and I believe that that's how that, uh, it should work for us, that we have this ability to do this, to create encounters for people. I've shared over the number of weeks that I've personally set myself a goal of, of winning one person to Jesus in the next 12 months. That person's name is on our salvation board. Every time we come in here, most times that we come in here, I'm praying over that board. I'm praying for the people that are on that board. I want to see these people born again. I want to see them saved. I want to see them set free, coming out of Egypt and coming into the wonderful life that Christ offers for us. <clears throat> I'm challenging you this year. Can we believe together to see one person, one to Christ, through us, through our witness, through us talking to them, us leading them across the line? I want you to experience the wonder and the majesty of looking into someone's eyes as they say yes to Jesus, and you see them fill with light, and you see them fill with life, and you see the darkness dispelled as, as they say yes to Jesus. You see them come alive. You see them radiate with something that is supernatural, and it's Jesus. That's what I want you too to experience in your life, the wonder of someone being born again. As a leadership, we've articulated the value of this church as being we are soul winners, that we are a soul-winning church. We openly share with everybody that we come into contact with the wonderful love and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. But it's this, this phrase that as we go into the world that has really captured my attention, my heart in this series. I love those words of Mark's, as you go. Just say that, as you go, as I go, as I go. See, those words mark the beginning of the Christian church. See, it's right at the end of Mark's gospel in in Mark 16, verse 15, that he talks about that. So Jesus is about to ascend to, to heaven on high. And his commission to his disciples is, guys, as you go, openly share the wonderful news of Jesus. The ones of the things that I've given to you, it's now up to you. The birth of the church had come about. They represent the heart, the calling, the purpose and the potential of the church. But they also mark the greatest shortcoming, I believe, of the church today in our context. Of all the things that we are and the things that we do, being intentional about openly openly sharing the wonderful news of the gospel with people has been delegated to those who we see as evangelists, as pastors, or the extroverts in our world. We sort of like handballed it to those people because we think, well, they've got the gift to be able to do that. But as I read that passage in Mark, where Jesus says to the disciples, as you go, he doesn't qualify it saying, you've got to be a pastor. To be able to do that as you go, this you've got to be an evangelist or, or, or an extrovert to be able to do that as you go. He doesn't qualify that statement in any way. He simply says, "Guys, just as you are, I'm sending you out. Go in the power of the Holy Spirit and affect your world." And I think that there's something about that. You know, we, the church is absolutely brilliant in so many ways. Okay, we're great at entertainment and programs, fellowship, talk. But too often we fall short of this being intentional and open about sharing Jesus. Jesus said in Mark chapter 1, verse 17, Come, follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for men. I said last week that you know one of the things that, uh, that really struck me out of this passage was that Jesus had said that to fishermen. And I believe that if we were an accountant or if, if the, the guys were an accountant, he'd say to them, guys, I'm going to tell you how to connect with the accountants in your world. Those people that thrive on detail. Those people that thrive on needing to know, okay, A is here and B is here. How am I going to get from A to B? Because there's always A.1, A.2, A.3. Jesus is going to tell you how to connect with those people. Jesus is going to tell you how to connect with the introverts. Those who are phlegmatic those are choleric, whatever different personality types that you can come up with. He's going to tell you how to do that. And I said last week as well that, you know, I believe that we can make a case for the fact that if uh, uh, Jesus was was talking to Matthew, Matthew's like a tax collector. You know, he understood government. He understood how the, the workings of authority were. If you look at the gospel of Matthew, you can understand that Matthew talks primarily about Jesus, the Messiah. There's this level of authority that he understood that Jesus operated. That's what he saw. Jesus helped him to see that. Same with Luke, the book of Luke. Jesus speaks to Luke and he says, this is how I, the, the great healer of life, can operate within the, in the world. And all of a sudden we see Luke has this incredible revelation of all the healings that Jesus did and so on. You can make a case for that. Jesus said to his disciples that he'd make them fishes of men. He used that as an image that spoke to where they were really at. See, Jesus reached out to these guys and he changed their life stories. Jesus is just going on his journey and he changed the disciples' life story. They were going one way, Jesus comes and he intersects their life at a particular moment and he changes their life story from that moment forward. Jesus did this as he was going about his everyday life. Jesus was doing what Jesus was doing when he changed Lazarus' life story. Jesus was doing what Jesus did when he changed Bartimaeus's life story. Jesus was doing what Jesus did when he changed the life story of Zacchaeus. Peter and John are in the temple and they changed the life story of a man who was born lame. And I believe that we too can change the life story of people today by intentionally being open about the wonderful news of the gospel wherever we go. I believe that Jesus would say the same thing to us today, that just as he showed his disciples how to fish for men, so too he will show us how to change someone's life as we go into our world. It's a matter of just simply being in tune with the person of the Holy Spirit and naturally being supernatural. Just having this incredible thing that helps us to understand who we are. No matter who we are or what our vocation is, I believe that Jesus says to us, come follow me and I will show you how to connect people with me using who you are. You do not have to be a pastor to do this. You do not have to be an evangelist to do this and you don't have to be an extrovert to do this either. We just get to come to follow Jesus and he'll show us how to do this as we simply trust him, as we simply take a risk, a step of faith to believe that what Jesus has done in our lives, he can do in the lives of other people as well. That just as, as much as someone had the courage to change my life story, I can have the courage to help them, uh, someone else change their life story as well. Does that make sense this morning? So let's be intentional and deliberate about being open with Jesus. Now, I'm going to just briefly reference a passage of Scripture this morning. and It's out of John chapter 15, verses 1 to 17. And I will uh, read this just so that you've got some idea of what I'm I'm talking about here this morning. John 15, verse 1 says, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. I want to take some points out of this particular passage of Scripture because I believe that they can apply to us in in making witnessing a way of life and how we can start to understand some things about making witnessing a way of life. Because Witnessing often really is a foreign idea to us. It's alien almost. It's, it's something that, uh, uh, it's, it's strange. When we do testify for the Lord, it's quite often strained and uncomfortable because we're, not, uh, uh, we're, only, we're out of practice in doing it. And we see it as this uncomfortable thing that we have to do because I'm a Christian. One of the questions I felt that like as I was just going over my notes this morning was, I felt the Holy Spirit say, "Is it because the word "witness" or testify for Jesus are words that actually scare us? They actually create within us this apprehension, this tension, this seizing up of ourselves. And they maybe create an image within us of a bad experience we've either had or that we've seen in the past where someone witnessed or testified about brimstone fire and hell. And it was totally confrontational and it was in someone's face and it was like scary. And that we think that being able to testify or to witness for Jesus means that I have to be confrontational, that I have to speak about fire and brimstone, and that I have to speak about hell. Praise God, no. That's not what it's about. In fact, I would suggest, though they are well-meaning, the people that do that, they don't have a true revelation of the grace, and they certainly aren't representing the love of Jesus when they act in that manner. Now, I believe that there are times that we need to say things as they are. We speak the truth, but it's always in love. And I think that when we scare people into heaven, that it's not there because of love, they're there because of fear. And that's a wrong motivation for populating heaven. Jesus was always motivated by love. Jesus was always motivated by love. He reached out for God so wanted to scare the absolute hell out of people that you know whoever believes in his name no uh, Jesus loved the world and that's how we need to respond to that as well so i don't believe that that's the way that we witness by the confrontational method i do believe that in saying that that we don't absolve ourselves either from being a witness from speaking about openly and intentionally about what Jesus has done as well. That though there may be apprehension, there may be tension and this seizing up of ourselves, that the power of the person of the Holy Spirit can take us on this journey that as we trust him more and more, and as we relinquish more of our lives to him, that we're able to do those things and simply share our faith in a very natural way normal way because witnessing is a way of life for us. Does that make sense? See, 2 Timothy 1, seven says, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Okay? So when we're responding in fear to doing something, that's not the right spirit. When we respond because of the love and understanding that the power of the Holy Spirit works through us, then we're operating in the right spirit. Openly sharing about Jesus, who he is, and the wonderful things he's done for us and made available to us is as natural as breathing. And I think that that's how witnessing or testifying or sharing openly our faith with others, it should be as natural as breathing. Talking about the the best things in life comes naturally. See, I don't have to work myself up into a spiritual lather to tell you about the wonderful things that my kids are doing, about the, the great things that my grandchildren are a part of, or the, the blessing and the favor of God on my life. I don't have to work myself up into a spiritual lather to do that. I don't have to pray and fast to tell you about the, the, the great birthday party that my grandson had yesterday, though I missed it. I saw it on Facebook, so I, was, I felt like I was there. I don't have to work myself up into doing that. It comes naturally in my conversation with the people that I talk with. When I've been healed or delivered or I've been set free from something or God has particularly touched my life in any particular way, those things are good and I can't help but talk about them. And I think that most of us in this room would be exactly the same. You don't share about your kids or your grandkids because you're frightened that if you don't, they're going to go to hell or that something bad's going to happen. You share about your kids and your grandkids or what's happening in your world because it's a good thing and it's good to share about those things. We started this service deliberately. Who would you tell? That family sitting down talking about receiving a gift, who would you tell? Who would you tell? We've been given the greatest gift of all time. The gift of life and life eternal through Jesus Christ our Lord. Who are you going to tell? It's it's just natural, isn't it? That, That there's this... Ongoing thing, that's just a part of life. It's something that comes natural to us. See, last Sunday after uh, we'd all eaten our meal and stuff, we were cleaning up in the kitchen, I was having a conversation with a lady in in the kitchen area there and she was naturally telling me about the conversations that she'd had about God in her workplace. It came naturally to her. She was excited that God was using her and that she'd stepped out in faith and it was exciting for her. And I shared in that excitement. I encouraged her in what she was saying and what she was doing and said, Go for it. Keep going having those conversations. God's obviously using you as you're being led by the Holy Spirit because there was a wisdom that was at work within those conversations. It was wonderful to hear about. She didn't have to strive, it came naturally to tell me about that. See, I, I, I think sometimes we overcomplicate stuff. I was going to share this great story that I heard. Uh, whilst I was watching a movie about how um, how sometimes we overcomplicate stuff. But I found out it was an urban myth, but I'm going to share it anyway because I think it's just a good story. Uh, NASA allegedly spent millions of dollars making a pen that works in space because natural pens have gravity that feeds the ink through to the the little ballpoint part. So they spent millions, but the Russian cosmonauts were given a pencil. Simple, isn't it? Sometimes we overcomplicate stuff. The bad thing was that that's an urban myth and it never happened. But it was a good story. And it illustrates the point really nicely, I think. But it is not true. It's a myth. They did spend money on making a pen, but it wasn't quite millions. One of the things that Jane and I love to do is to sit down and we watch movies or or series and stuff like that. It's just one of the enjoyments that we have together. And quite often, either Jane will say or I will say during a movie, but what about if this happened? But what about if that happened? This is totally off the the planet. I mean, you know, it's just that would never happen in in a movie. It's just not going to... We have these conversations with each other and we turn to each other and say, I really think you've overread the script. You know, it's just like you're reading way too much into this, you know. Adverts and stuff like that, that would never happen in real life, you know. Have you ever found yourself saying those sorts of things? <laughs> we make it way too hard. We, we overthink stuff. We, we, we overcomplicate the issue, don't we? And it's, it's just, stop doing it with, with witnessing. Stop doing that with, with sharing. We, we, we scare ourselves... Into these things that will likely never happen. We have this conversation in our head. Well, if I say this, they're going to say that if, you know, whoa, 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 what if they ask a question that I can't answer? What if they ask a, a, you know, if they, they talk about scriptures and, and, and I don't have an answer? We've discounted having a conversation with them because we've already had the conversation with them. Do you know what I mean? In our heads, we've, we've, we sort of like said, no, we're not going to have this conversation because we've already spoken to them. But the conversation had happened in our head and not a word was spoken. And we scare ourselves out of sharing with someone. Anyone else like that? I'll pray for the rest of you. Witnessing is telling others what God's done in our life. From the simple to the complex, it's simply expressing the joy over who God is and what he's done. That's, That's like I've dumbed it down as much as I possibly can. We're not out to convince or convict anyone. That's God's job. That's God's job. Our job is simply to share the joy. Share the joy about who Jesus is. He's given us gifts and talents and abilities to share. But we often overcomplicate and overthink sharing the wonderful news of the gospel. When it really all boils down, it boils down to this. It's sharing with someone what life or the issue was before Jesus came along, or before you prayed about it, before something happened, and then showing them how Jesus made a difference. See, did you hear Shale's testimony today? He says he's got this issue with his wrist. It came about because of dot dot dot. He was doing this thing with his his, his gardening and his, and his fixing stuff up and, and everything else like that. But then he hears Jesus, and Jesus comes on the scene, and Jesus tells him to rub this ointment on his wrist. Think about it. Jesus told some people. Or Jesus used mud in someone's eye, spat on their tongue, and in their face. I'm pretty okay with ointment. <laughs> okay? See, that's the difference that Jesus made. So Charles just told us then that Jesus comes on the scene and rubs this, tells him to rub this ointment on his, on his wrist, and he wakes up a few hours later completely healed. How easy was that? This is the situation before. This is what happened when Jesus rocked up. This is the situation now. I'm just sharing the love. How easy was that? And that's all a testimony is. My life was heading for ruin. I knew that I was on the wrong tracks. I knew that if I, unless my life changed, I was destined to, to die somehow. But then Jesus came on the scene. I met Jesus. He changed my life. He gave me a reason for hope. He gave me a reason for living. He healed me. He set me free. Whatever it is. And as a result of that, I've committed because of the difference he made in that moment that I'm going to follow him for the rest of my day. What sort of difference could Jesus make in your life? See, witnessing is really about connecting a need and a service. We know that there's so many needs around us and God has enabled us to meet those needs. It doesn't matter what that need is, Jesus has enabled us to do that. In other words, it's about using who God has made us to be to help the people around us and in the process telling them that the reason we're doing it is simply because of Jesus. Jesus touched my life and I want to touch other people's. One of the reasons I became a police officer was because a policeman actually helped me when my mother committed suicide. While we were down at Victor Harbour and we were over there and my mother shot herself and then the police had to come and find me and my mate. We were camping. Our tent was attached to the no camping sign. Gives you an indication as to where I was at. (laughs) They found us on Granite Island. They took me back in the police car back to the police station And uh, I broke down in tears when I found out uh, my mum was dead and I needed to get back to Adelaide. I didn't know how to get back to Adelaide. It's too far for my relatives to come because they were all cut to pieces as it was. And the policeman says, look, I'm going back to Adelaide tonight. Would you like a lift? I can take you. Blew me away. I was an absolute dropkick as a kid. And this policeman turned around and did such a wonderful thing for me. That's how I I became a policeman. I wanted to do for others what someone had done for me, even though I was a complete yob. (laughs) Complete yob. Who could we help? Who could we help? Who could we share the story about what Jesus had done? See, I believe that as we do that, it creates a hunger within people when we start to talk about this stuff. We just need to relax and be ourselves. You don't have to be Billy Graham. You don't have to be Bill Hybels, Bill Johnson, Billy the Kid, any other name of the Bill. God's called you to be you and me to be me. It's not rocket science. It's allowing the love of Jesus to be shared through our lives. So how does this happen? How do we naturally share Jesus as we go into the world? I believe there's two things we need to understand. Number one, and this is actually what Jesus taught his disciples, both these things. I believe that just as Jesus said this is how you need to do this, to his disciples, I believe he would say the same to us today, that this is how we need to do that. So making witnessing as a way of life, point number one is simply this, cultivate an intimate walk with God. Cultivate an intimate walk with God. See, John 15, 5 says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do Nothing. Jesus is saying to his disciples, come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for men. Jesus is saying to us today, guys, girls, come follow me. Let's go on the journey of a lifetime and have an adventure together. Jesus describes a natural process of intimate relationship with God. An intimate relationship with God that bears fruit. See, our intimate walk with God has two components to it. Number one, there's God's part, okay? John 15, verse 1, it says, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. See, God's a gardener. I love that. Verse 2, he says, He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more fruit. See, what he does, the Father does, he spends time with each branch pruning it, dressing it so that it's able to, bear more fruit he looks after it. you think you're being cut back you think you're being withheld you think you're being restricted no the father's actually getting you ready to bear more fruit he's getting you ready so that you'll be more fruitful in life able to hand handle a greater weight of responsibility because he wants to stretch you and increase you and grow you you're not being restricted you're being prepared for more i just nearly preached myself excited See, this scripture is talking about us. That's what God the Father does with us. God takes an active role in our life, developing, pruning, shaping, feeding, and watering, all for the purpose of producing fruit. What do you think the fruit is? Number one, it's Christ-likeness within us. But there's also the fruit that we will plant from the seeds within us into the ground too, and that other things will grow and, and form an attachment with the vine itself. Do you understand what I'm saying? <clears throat> There's no better hands that we could place our lives in than the Father's. He's the ultimate gardener. The Father reaches out his hands in offer of intimate relationship with him. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Jesus knows how to look after us. Father knows how to look after us. The offer of intimate fellowship with the Father is ours. He says in Romans chapter 15, sorry chapter eight, verse 15, "You haven't received a spirit that makes you fearful. Instead, you've received God's spirit when He adopted you as His own children, and now we can call him Abba Father." That's the offer. See, there's another part to this. This is our part then, okay? Our part is, in John 15 verse 4, it says, abide in me. That's our part. We are to abide in the, in the Father. Jesus says to us to abide in him. That's the action part of, that we need to do. See, often we sit in church and hope that God will drop intimacy in our laps. Oh, suddenly I'm intimate with the Father because oh, I sat in church. Now, if I was only ever talking to my wife, Jane, Once a week, I wouldn't have a very good marriage. It would not be an intimate relationship. Why would we think God's any different? I've still got a relationship with my wife, but it's not a good one if it's only once a week that I talk to her or see her. And it's never a good relationship. I'm only doing things so that I get something out of it. Yeah. Hello? I won't go any, digger, any deeper with that one. <laughs> God will not force a relationship on us, but he invites us to take his hand for an intimate walk with him. And that's when witnessing starts to flow naturally. Because we know him. I understand who he is. I walk with him. See, no one has to tell an apple tree to produce apples. It simply does. It's an apple tree. Hello. See, it bears fruit by the simple nature of being an apple tree. That's true for Christianity too. A life that's in intimate relationship with God will, by its very nature, bear fruit. See, this is why we need to understand the the principle of the second witness. You are never the first person to talk to someone about Jesus. God's already been talking to them right from when they were born about who he is. You are not the first person to talk to that person. In fact, it's highly unlikely you're going to be the second person to talk to that person about Jesus. But at some point, we are a person that does speak to them about Jesus. And we help to complete another part of the picture that they need to see who God the Father really is, that gives them the information and the revelation whereby they say, you know what? I've heard enough. I surrender. I give my life to Jesus today. When we're in intimate fellowship with God, the fruit of the Spirit flows from our lives. Listen to Galatians uh, 5, verses 22 to 23, out of the Passion Translation. I love this Passion Translation. Okay, Listen to this. This is how he puts it in here. It says, But the fruit of the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its various expressions. This love is revealed through joy that overflows, peace that overflows that subdues, patience that endures, kindness on display, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. That's a powerful passage, isn't it? When you when you hear it like that. But it's joy that overflows. In other words, it's seen. He says that the love is revealed to who? To the people in our world. Love is revealed. It's seen. It's on display. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says, In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. See, the light is meant to be seen. The life of God is meant to be seen in our world. It's meant to be seen. Okay? The light of God, the light of life was designed to be on display for the world to see. Why? Because in verse 14 and 15 that precede that where he says, let your light shine, it says this. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. <laughs> I know what. Let's... Put some lights on this Christmas tree. Make it look really beautiful and fantastic. Anyone got a blanket? I need to cover this because you can't see it. Dumb. Exactly. See, that's what God is doing with us. That's what God is doing with you. He's doing something on the inside. And it's a beautiful thing. It's an incredible thing. It's a wonderful thing. The way that he's changed our lives, he's constructed things and helping us through life. It's an amazing thing. Oh, but hang on, I can't tell you about it because I've got to put a light under cover. How do we put that light under cover? We don't say anything. We don't tell anybody. It's a secret. But it never was meant to be. A light is so that people see. They don't wander in darkness anymore, but they see. Let the love of God shine. Let it out. Don't hide who Jesus is. Openly share this light, this life with others, cause in making that's how that's how we do witnessing as a way of life. See, the second thing that we need to do, not only cultivate a walk, an intimate walk with Jesus, but we need to cultivate a love for others. See, John 15, 12 says, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way that I've loved you. you ever thought about that? John 15, verse 17 says, this is my command: love each other. So within the space of five verses, Jesus has said, I want you to love people. I want you to love people. In fact, in Luke and and earlier in Matthew, sorry, it might be a little bit later in Matthew, he talks about how we're to treat our enemies. That's a challenge. And the subject of another message maybe. John 13 verses 34 to 35 says, So I give you now a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I have loved you. When when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. See, people will know that you're a Christian or born-again person by the way that you treat others around you. If we develop a love for God, God's people, if we allow God to implant in us his love for people, being witness, a witness becomes natural. It becomes a way of life for us. We see the value of the people around about us. We know that those are people that Jesus loves, and I have a responsibility to simply naturally talk to them about who Jesus is. Jesus truly is our Lord, and we get to learn to love what he loves and hate what he hates. God's love is for his people. He hates the sin that destroys and hurts and steals from people. And when we begin to love what he loves, which is people, witnessing becomes a way of life. His passion becomes our passion. His priority becomes our priority. Jesus was confronted by an expert in the law. In Matthew 22, verses 36 to 40, it says, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. See, when we love God, because of all that he's done for us and in us, we'll keep his commandments. It'll just be natural for us, because we've seen who he is and what he can do. When we love our neighbors because God loves them, witnessing becomes a way of life. It becomes simple, natural, joyful, and uncomplicated. Being a witness is a way of life. As a way of life is as simple as loving God and loving a neighbor just as Jesus does. Jesus changed the story of my life. Jesus changed the story of my life because someone's eyes were opened. They were listening to the Holy Spirit. And they spoke up. My life was heading in the wrong direction. Away from God. But someone loved God enough. And they loved others enough to step out and to speak up. And they changed my life story. And I'm willing to bet that Jesus changed many of your life stories too. My question to us is this. Whose life can we help change the story of? 2 Have a look at this stand heavenly father i thank you for your word this morning i thank you for the power of your holy spirit i thank you that your word encourages us inspires us and father you've done amazing things in all of our lives here today i thank you that you have changed our life story We were heading one way, you touched our life and we're heading in a completely different way and our lives have changed for the better for eternity. I pray, Holy Father, that you would give us the capacity to see the people around about us, to listen for what they're not saying in the middle of a conversation. I pray that you would help us to ask questions that dig a little bit deeper and simply share who you are into that very moment help us to see the need around about us and know that we carry an encounter with you into those circumstances i pray against fear of speaking up and speaking out i pray against tension and locking up as we share those things with people around about us and i ask you lord god to give us a boldness and a courage To be naturally supernatural. To make witnessing a way of life. Simple, joyful and uncomplicated. Father, I ask you to do that in the name of Jesus today. Just as everyone's head is bowed and eyes closed, I don't know everyone here. I probably do, but that's all right. This morning I'm not going to back off from a commitment that I've made. Even when I can't see anybody here that I would think needs to give their hearts to Christ, I'm going to put out an appeal. If there is anyone here that you've never invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior this morning, you've never done that in your life, and you've heard us talk about this person Jesus and how much of a difference he can make in a person's life, but this morning you feel that you need to give the lordship of your life over to Jesus. And perhaps you want to, for the very first time, say, Jesus, would you come into my heart and be my Lord? And you want to do that today. I just ask you to put your hand up. I want to pray with you. It's one of the greatest decisions you'll ever make. One of the greatest things that will liberate you and bring you into freedom is to give your life to Jesus. Your future would be secure. I don't want to scare you into the kingdom of heaven. I want to tell you that Jesus loves you with a passion and he gave his life for you. And it's a wonderful life. Does it mean being a Christian, all your troubles are gone? No. It means that you've got help when you're going through those problems. Is there anyone here this morning you want to say yes to Jesus? Just put your hand up nice and tall so that I can see it. Is there anyone here? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is anybody else? Thank you, Father. I'm going to ask us to pray together. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouths Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God and it's by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. So I want us to pray out a, pray, a prayer together as we join this young man in stepping across the line and giving his heart to Jesus. Someone got saved this morning. Let's pray this prayer together, shall we? I'll say it, you repeat it. Dear God, it's time for a change. I need a real relationship with you. Today, I open my life to knowing you. Forgive me for living my life my way. Today, I invite Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Jesus, I want to know you. I put my faith in you. Give me the power to change. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you pray that for the first time, you're born again. Praise God. I hope that's helped someone today, that message. Witnessing is normal. It's just normal. It is not abnormal. It's just a normal way to live life. And I encourage us to, uh, to just take a hold of that, walk with God, walk and cultivate a love for others and love those things that he does too. Amen? Thanks, guys.